one while looking way up past the tree line that's blind sometimes give me darkness when I'm dreaming give me moonlight when I'm leaving give me shoes that weren't made for standing give me tree line give me big sky give me snowbound give me rain clouds give me bedtime just sometimes Now you're talking in my room There ain't nobody here Cause I've been driving like a trucker I've been wearing through the gears Been training like a soldier I've been burning through this sorrow The only talking lately is a background radio my friend I was a sailor Good morning everyone and welcome to All Things SR How are you all this morning? Good morning Leslie Good morning Pam Happy to see so many friends in the chat room already I know I It's great our, our beloved Ms. Betty uh, just joined us and Kelly Karen, oh, good, good. Jean Ann, Annabelle, Lori Lauren. and Lauren, Yvonne, mm -hmm. and Ashley, who, uh, Ashley Elizabeth, who has a special day coming up next, next week. Next week. Mm -hmm. um, so happy early birthday, but hopefully you may or may not be. I'm trying to remember if you said you can join us on your birthday or not. That uh, Either way, we're wishing you many happies. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, earlier, uh, when Ashley was just joining um, she actually noted that as a birthday treat to herself, she got all of the uh, Gabriel series in paperback. Yes. Although I she believe, is, was it the was it Gabriel's or yeah, the in Gabriel yes. series? And she's waiting till the end of the month for redemption. I love it. I love it. And there has been a request, Pam, uh, Ashley, from the birthday girl. Mm -hmm. um, that's right. She's going to try and make it, but she's going camping. I thought you were going to be out of town. Good for you. Yes. You Lucky can always you. listen to us after the fact, Ashley. You know that. That's true. Um, and there was a request, Pam, to uh, find out the wonderful music that opened the show. That is uh, Gregory Allen Isakoff, and it was his song, 3 A.M., Love it. He's he's a an incredible performer. I was fortunate enough to see him, I think about three years ago at the Kimmel Center in Philadelphia. Um, mm. As I mentioned to you, Leslie, I, I volunteer for this group called Headcount, and mm -hmm. they are a group that goes out and registers people to vote. And so I get to go to the concerts as well when I mm. when they ask me. Some of the clubs I don't go to, I'm a little bit long in the tooth for them, but... Oh, you are never too long in the tooth to, to go out and listen to music, Pan. That, that is, well, that is who you are. That is That true. is your essence. That is... <laughs> <laughs> Lori actually is a fan of his music. She says he, she loves his music, so... Oh, he's awesome. I, he really is. Um, I, you know, I, I heard him on a, lo a, a radio station out of New York called WFUV. And mm -hmm. I listen to them online when I can. And SR happened to mention it as part of uh, 
I believe when he was writing uh, part of the Florentine series. So it was, you know, it was like odd that it just all sort of convenes in that direction. So, but it's fun. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And me and music will always go a long way. My sister always teases me about that, you know. They're, they're still stuck in, in this 70s mode of music and, and not the disco side, the, the rock side of this early 70s. And I'm like, how many times? I love the Rolling Stones, but how many times do you have to listen to them a day? But in, in, in. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But, but that's me. <laughs> <laughs> you like the variety. Yes, I do. And yes, Ashley, I will put that in. Gregory Allen Isaacoff. Three, eight. Okay, there we go. Great. So, Great. Mm -hmm. So Thanks it's very for that. We're we're going on, going on. Yes. Well, Pam, um, you know, as we get into the show, we have some huge. And celebratory news yes, um, in do. the realm of SR land. Yes, we do. SR has reached over 50,000 followers at this point. And uh, yesterday he was putting Kahlua in everybody's coffee. So <laughs> as a celebratory uh, uh, morning drink. <laughs> <laughs> I told him that I would, I, I believe my response to him was bless you. <laughs> I needed that. <laughs> if only I had, uh, if only the virtual Kahlua was actually the real stuff. It would have yeah, been great. I know. I know. <laughs> and I see Josie and Claudia have uh, joined us. Uh, good morning. Good, good morning. morning. Or good afternoon. Because uh, I know, I believe Claudia is uh, actually in Italy, yes, if I'm not mistaken. I know Claudia is Italian. We have an Italian in there. South Africa, so I need to, to, to be certain of who's where. That's right. Um, so. so, yes, Ashley says he deserves more followers. Well, I think just continue to tell your friends and yeah. spread the word. Spread the word. I think that's great. <laughs> um, as Betty says, the boss is taking over the world like Pinky in the Brain. <laughs> <laughs> One maple leaf at a time. <laughs> Betty, you morning, never Monica. disappoint. <laughs> Good it's morning, true. Aunt Monica, and hi, Aunt Matt. She got up extra early. That's hard for a woman in New Orleans to do. That's true. So good to see you guys. And good afternoon, Monica. Happy Saturday, everybody. Oh, good for Saturday. <laughs> so we, I know. we do have some announcements that we have to get Yes, to. we do. Um, the first is Gabriel's Inferno Part 2 is on Passion Flicks with the Polish subtitles, and they have also been added to uh, Part 1, so that's a good thing. Uh, that they may join the Spanish, Portuguese, French, German, Italian, Czech, and Russian subtitles. Everything gets, he, he, he's just worldwide. We're still waiting for Antarctica to join. <laughs> we gotta find a research team who's down there absolutely absolutely <laughs> it's a shame my my daughter's uh, uh my daughter's friend's dad actually had done an expedition down there because he's in the sciences mm -hmm. and um it's a shame that he's not going now or i would i would 
try and have him get a picture of holding a book in Antarctica. I think that would have been really cool. But that would have been cool. If anyone knows anyone who's going down to the continent, uh, let us know. I think it would be fun. Yes. Truly, truly uh, on every continent then. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Lori says, I keep saying I may move there. <laughs> I, I, under, I understand I, the winners are not that easy on researchers down there. <laughs> So, yeah, I think yeah. I, I've known a couple people who did work and research up above the Arctic Circle on the other side of the globe, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it's it's you know darkness all the time mm -hmm. and negative a bazillion degrees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, either Celsius or Fahrenheit. A bazillion mm. negative bazillion degrees is a negative bazillion degrees. <laughs> so exactly. <laughs> Um, we also have a reminder uh, that we're doing a hashtag road to the first thousand. We're trying to get a thousand reviews on the Gabriel's Inferno movies um, out on IMDb, Amazon. Um, you can go into the Apple app and, and comment, you know, put something there as well as Google Play. And one of the things I've noticed that, that there are a lot of people that are putting their reviews into Facebook, which is great under Passion Flicks or under SR's uh, accounts. And an easy thing to do is just cut and paste and put and move them over. I know that uh, the Amazon app is not, or Amazon is not available for everybody. I think it is America and Canada, but I don't think it's anywhere else. You can just put that into IMDB and they'll approve it and that would go in under Gables Inferno because they do have uh, Rapture out there too that they're started but Flex right. deals with that. Yes, all three parts of Gabriel's Inferno need to be under one review. Mm -hmm. So um, what you do is you just, if you want to add something for the next part, just edit your response. Right. Um, so you, you want to make sure not to add something into Rapture because Rapture hasn't been uh, released, released yet. yet. Yes. So. Betty's saying she needs to work on her review. Betty, I've had my review sitting in on this laptop <laughs> for a couple weeks now. And I told you all last week I was going to get it out there. And I haven't uh -oh. because it's too long and I want to cut it down to fit into the preferred length of IMDB and then I'm going to have a longer version out on, on one of the other platforms. Yeah. Um, and I'll put a lo the longer version out online. Uh, but get them done, ladies. Get them done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Portuguese edition of Gabriel's Promise is now out and uh, that I saw Monica has. Yes. And I thought that yes. was very cool. I like that cover too. And Monica, mm -hmm. are they hardcover? Because I know some of the European um, books are in hardcover as opposed to paperback. So I'm just curious. Yeah, we'll see what she says. Mm -hmm. She's uh, responding to the heat. I know Annette had said she wished she was in Antarctica right now. She could mm -hmm. use a bazillion degrees below. Mm -hmm. It's hot there. And Monica said, I just opened my fridge and went inside. <laughs> <laughs> it has been very hot, hot. Hot it's been the, hot all over on this uh, part of the globe. I know. I know that Erica El James is constantly. When is mm -hmm. this heat going to end? It is so hot, and 
they don't have air conditioning. Hmm. Yes. As much. And uh, as much as they do here because they right. typically haven't needed it. That's right. It's like a lot of the places in New England or out west in the mountains typically don't have AC. Um, so when it gets really hot, it can be miserable. Um, Ashley Awesome said she's reviewed after the second rewatch re on Amazon. Terrific. So great, great, and great, great. It, it looks like uh, Monica said yes to the hardcover books. Great. Excellent. I know. I would like to have the heart. I wish I had the money to buy all of the books in all of the languages. Oh, you and me. And I keep saying, and we both keep saying, we got to win the lottery. I know. <laughs> Someday. It um, would be fun. It would be. We'd have a really good time. We, oh, definitely. <laughs> we could help a lot of people. We could do a lot of good with that money. And yes, also have a heck of a lot of fun. That's right. So also the Czech edition is out for Gabriel's Promise and uh, Planet Libros is re releasing the Spanish edition of the first three Gabriel books. And mm -hmm. um, SR has mentioned that depending upon how they sell, they may be releasing Gabriel's Promise in Spanish as well. Maybe so, we all need to go buy um, the Spanish edition. Yeah, that would, be, that would be good right now. I, in all honesty, I thought about doing that because I want to brush up on my Spanish, and that would be a good way to do it. So I might ask. That might be on my on your on my Christmas list. Okay, there you go. Um, and Monica said um, regarding the cover, they are harder than paperback, but still not hardback. So it oh, must okay. be kind of an in between. I can kind of envision what you're talking about, Monica. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. I know I've got oh, a couple you. books like that too. They're not really hardback, but they're not a paperback. Mm -hmm. So, um, let's see what else we have. Del, Ro Del Rey Edzione will be releasing the Italian edition of The Shadow in October. That's going to be cool. I love their covers. Their red and white covers for the Florentine oh, series they're that they're doing. Beautiful. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, really. And we're waiting on the announcement of the uh, release date for part three. Most anybody says is before the holidays or around the holidays. So we'll see what, yes. what's going to happen there. And also, SR had mentioned that uh, Passion Flicks is considering optioning Gabriel's Promise, but they haven't decided yet. So, you know, fingers crossed, pray to God, cross your toes. I know, maybe we passion said, flicks. you know, let Passion Flicks know <laughs> we, we're hoping for promise. You know, mm -hmm. that would be really, really great. Um, I And I also think it could work, given the scheduling, they could really do a lot of filming um, jointly or concurrently. Um, yes, they could. And that would, that would, might make it more possible to get the actors. And keep um, the prom, or keep the budget a little bit lower than what it what would be it for be. a completely separate time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, um, and I saw Betty uh, actually downloaded the ebook in Spanish, and mm -hmm. she's uh, working on getting through uh, reading that. And she's, at, how did you say it? I bought the Spanish ebook. I'm challenging myself to read in Spanish. I admire that, Betty. I'm, that's awesome. And Everybody. Ashley said, I'm good with paperback. My ebooks and Audible SR books, as long as I have digital and phys physical books, I'm set. So. And Betty's also hoping for Paul to get his novel. <laughs> yes, 
So how was uh, that coffee date, Betty? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I can't wait. I can't wait till we start discussing that. I know. I know. It's going to be fun. <laughs> and as Josie says, what's to decide about re- about optioning promise? That's true. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Annette says, as long as they start filming after the first of the year, I need to be able to do a set visit. (laughs) (laughs) And Annabelle says, I'm keeping my annual leave for part three as I'm planning to take a week off so I can watch over and over again without (laughs) without going cold turkey. (laughs) And on the coffee date, as you know, Betty had tea. (laughs) Oh, that's correct. I apologize on that. And Annabelle just uh, reminded us, Passion Flicks has some new merch. As yes. they say, um, they've got the I Love Bowties uh, 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 bag and tote bag. And they also have a Kincaid's t-shirt for one of their, I from Dirty that. Sexy Saint. So that it, that's going to be fun. In fact, I'm going to put the link into the Passion Flicks store okay. um, for their must-have merch. Um very, very cute. Uh, and I have to take a trip to Susquehanna University again soon because my, my mug has that, like cuts into the uh, the thing. Uh, anyway, so. Oh, okay. Well, we might need to remedy that. Yes, we might. Yes, and, and in fact, uh, uh, Kelly says she just bought one last night. I believe the tote bag is that, cool. right? Yes, very very fun. I, um, I got my passion flex mug last week. It was it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course my coffee pot doesn't fill it all the way up, but then again, that's what Keurig does. So, <laughs> Annabelle suggested to James Andrew Fraser something with um, I went to Princeton and all I got was this lousy key ring. <laughs> he said he loved it, and I got a rabbit emoji. <laughs> And she ordered the blue, although she loved the khaki. So Betty's trying to decide what color bag to buy. Oh, okay. So. Monica likes the green and the blue. Yeah. Those tote bags are great. All tote bags are great. They they Mm -hmm. work well for a lot of things. I've got a couple of them. Yeah, I think that's a, tote bags are always a good offering because they're so multifunctional. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's also something you don't have to deal with sizes, you know, because every, Every T-shirt size is different and fits different and is cut different. Yep. Um, that's something that people can use uh, and enjoy unilaterally. Mm-hmm. So, and <laughs> James Andrew Fraser, just so you know, um, I had a little quick chat with him yesterday on Instagram. He is uh, in the process of promoting something new that he's doing, and it's uh, called. Lion Eyes. You can find them on, find that on Instagram. It's L I O N underscore E Y E Z, I think, or just E Y Z and an underscore. <clears throat> and uh, it's it's something he's working on, and he's hoping to sell it as a pilot as well. So that good for him. I'm excited. Hopefully, it's really really awesome. Yeah. Hopefully, I, I wish good things for all of these actors. They they really do a great job with this, and hopefully, we'll That's, be able to get to start filming soon. Maybe I'm I'm thinking next year. I I'm really am. That too. I am too. I mean, because as my daughter reminded me, yesterday was twenty weeks left in twenty twenty. I know. 
So the last, we're in the last uh, section of the year. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how things go. Um, you know, hopefully everyone continues to save safe, be diligent. Mm-hmm. Uh, wear your masks. Wear your mask, wash your hands, socially distance. Um, Two meters or so six we, feet. Yes, yes. And Betty's saying first we need the vaccine. So we will um, hopefully, though, I think this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. Um, Betty's hoping 2021 will be better. So am I, Betty. Yeah. So am yeah. I. But I have to say, and we've said it before, and then we will dive into our topic for the day. Um, thank goodness that we've had this wonderful, joyful experience of seeing the Gabriel series come to life on screen and that we've had um, Gabriel's Inferno to look mm-hmm. forward to really all year. Because let's be honest, it's, I think this has really gotten a lot of people through, uh, uh, brought uh, a lot of joy and a lot of uh, fun um, and given uh, us something to look forward it's to. It's true. It's true. Um, also, I wanted to mention one other thing. If we could all keep Jana from Belarus in our thoughts. Yes. Thank you for Matt going through really, really rough time right now politically and just yes. that she stays safe. And I know she's she's trying to do her thing too, but just want to make sure she's safe. Yes. In fact, um, if you haven't followed her, um, her, her name's Jana Palyadchuk. I don't know if I pronounced it. That's why well, I didn't say it. <laughs> Palyadchuk. Paliatschuk, I think is how you do it. P-A-L-I-A-S-H-C-H-U-K. And she's been posting about Belarus solidarity. And um, it's just been very, very um, um, unstable uh, right now. Um, A lot of human rights uh, violations are occurring, apparently. Um, And as always, so many times the women of the country come together and are often the ones who are trying to uh, bring the change and be the change. And it's, it's been just uh, that what started it was uh, protests against falsified elections. Right. So, so. Um, we are thinking about her and her fellow countrymen and women and hope that everyone stays safe and that this will be resolved shortly. So... Lauren, thank you for putting uh, James's Instagram account under there, the Lion Eyes. Yes, it's funny. I was thinking, oh, I'll have to pull out uh, the Lion Eyes stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really great that he's doing that. And Mm -hmm. um, and also I saw Annette had noted that uh, when we were talking about the virus, um, her son's uh, school opened Wednesday and closed by Friday. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, yes. A lot of schools are going through that as well. You know, we're figuring things out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Josie's mother is uh, telling her she's going to slap her next year or when this is over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And uh, Monica had said Monday she's going back to work two weeks before the kids return to school. She deals with adults at night, but kids in the afternoon will be challenging with distancing. So I fear my hard work since March will go down the drain. She fears to get sick. Well, we will keep you all in our thoughts and prayers. And hopefully 
Monica, there's a little more of a handle on it, it seems, overseas than it is here on uh, in the state United States right now. Because um, we're not permitted in Canada now until September 21st. We're not going to be allowed to go back to Canada till next year. Uh-huh. They keep pulling it back, but until we get things under control here, mm-hmm. um, you know, New Zealand's done a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of other countries are really getting um, getting the precautions and working um, to keep people safe. So, mm-hmm. yes, as Josie says, she thinks into next year. And Lori also noted it's also good that treatments are getting better also. Very true. So, um, <laughs> and that's just... How can I move to Canada if they won't let me in? Well, Annette, if you fly in, <laughs> if you do fly in, you have to quarantine for 14 days before you see or talk to anybody. So, I think that's that way in many most countries now, I though. Think so. I think even some states ask you to do that within the U.S. Yes, I think so. New New, New uh, York does that. Uh, New Zealand mm-hmm. is, by the way, is locked down again because they've had a case come through. Oh gosh. Yes. Well, yesterday. but they're taking it. They're taking it seriously. They're mm-hmm. acting decisively, exactly. and um, hopefully that will contain it. It takes a woman leader. Yes. So, so we are, as, as Stella noted, um, the female leaders around the world are handling the pandemic in the most efficient way. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I, I think you know it, it, it's definitely appearing that. Um, they have been really doing an efficient job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, people are being very, very serious. Jean Ann also notes there are significant fines if you don't um, follow some of the rules. So, and Jean Ann knows because Jean Ann is in the front line. Mm-hmm. And so, sending you special hugs, Jean Ann. And thank goodness, Claudia, that in Italy for the moment, everything is okay. Yeah. That's good news. Very good news. And speaking of your beloved country, we are going to one of uh, talk about one of its favorite sons, Dante. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were inspired by a tweet and a post, actually, it might have been on Facebook as well, SR posted a couple weeks ago, when he discussed the inspiration and similarities between La Vida and Wova and Gabriel's Inferno. And mm-hmm. that had Pam and I uh, say, you know, maybe. We should do a show on La Vida Nuova, and we ran the idea by SR, and he thought that'd be really fun. And I'm like the idea, and um, so we decided to do a little research. Oh God, I've been been researching for three weeks now. I know, I know. This is this is hasn't been a late lift, and um, no, I, I. I've done a little bit of uh, looking at summaries and things like that as well, because I did not get to read um, the entire La Vida Nuova, but I will. I do want to finish that. Um, and one of the one of the sources, and this is a source that SR uh, refers to quite a bit, um, is the lectures of Professor Matza. And I'm putting the link on. You can actually view where we have some of the information from mm-hmm. um, on his lecture on YouTube. And it's a great series. It is. He does the of, whole Divine um, Comedy. Lectures. Yes. And the one that, uh, the link I'm giving you today is the one 
specifically on La Vida Nueva. And um, thank you, Lori. Uh, Lori said, this is great, Leslie and Pam. We appreciate your hard work. This is interesting. It, so, it actually really is It is. It is. Another um, thing about Professor Maza, if you, if you don't want to... If you can't do the YouTube because you can sit down, I mean, these classes are like an hour long. You can also listen to it as a podcast. I I know it's on Apple Podcasts. I'm not sure what other, but he, but they're both. It's the same thing. It's just one's the audio and the other's the audio and visual. Yes, and I'm making that note here too. I just put the link in there for you guys. Cool. Um, La Vida Nueva is Dante's first work. Um, and as you probably can surmise, it means the new life, um, is the, the title. And he wrote this book or this work, um, around the age of 24 and 25. So, which to me is kind of stunning because I have a daughter who's 25 and I'm thinking, Hmm, Allie writing something like this at that age was, <laughs> is pretty stunning. Um, and, uh, he wrote it in uh, around the year 1292, so definitely taking us back in time. Mm-hmm. And he bracketed his years between this and the Divine Comedy, uh, becoming very active in the politics of Florence. So, um, as you know, throughout his writings, he often references um, and makes political references as well, or as you may not know, but he, he was very active in politics that actually led to him having to leave uh, Florence yeah, eventually. Um, but Florence itself is not mentioned in La Vida Nuova, but it is referenced by the use of the River Arno. And that having that reference really, um, you know, helps to ground exactly where the story was. And um, I, I, Karen, I knew, I knew. Karen says, yes, um, these lectures are worth watching. I, I did his courses years ago, so... Um, and Claudia bought La Vida Nuova. The comments occupied most pages than the work itself. Yes, there's a lot of feedback. There's a lot of uh, opinion, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of scholarly input into meanings. Um, and there's tons of information out online if you are interested. Um, the book itself is considered a form of autobiography. Um of Dante, and it is, it is a poem, I think, officially considered a poem, um, although it uses po- poetry and prose um, in, as it's presented, and you can see there's different t- points in time where he breaks into sonnets. Um, and what was uh, beyond, the, beyond the literary, um, this actually is a historical work as well, because it was written in Italian. Uh, rather than in Latin, which was highly unusual um, that it wouldn't be in Latin. Latin was the language of, 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 scholars. of books, of scholars. And um, I remembered hearing this whole riff about uh, the importance and the history of the fact that this was actually um, breaking tradition from mm-hmm. Latin when... Um, I read, I was re-listening actually to the audiobook of Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert. And um, yes, as Claudia noted, it's difficult to read also for her as he wrote in the vernacular mm-hmm. Italian. And that is exactly correct. Um, when Elizabeth Gilbert uh, in chapter 15 of Eat, Pray, Love, she's in Italy 
and she was talking about her Italian class because she wanted to take Italian. Actually, I don't know if she was in. Yes, she was. She was in Rome by that point in the book, um, and she made a note about Italy didn't uh, unify until 1861 because there were lots of the city states, as you remember from history class. And um, everyone had different dialects. And Claudia, feel free if you want to add things in, since you are uh, you are a citizen of of the country. Mm-hmm. And then in 16th century, uh, the intellectuals actually got together to select uh, what should be deemed Italian, because everybody was using their own uh, dialect at the time. And they actually selected the language of Dante. So I thought that was interesting that she went on to talk about um, the poet, the great Florentine poet Dante. And when he published Divine Comedy back in 1321, he also wrote the Divine Comedy in, um, in, Italian. in, the, in the, the dialect, not in Latin. Mm-hmm. And um, he shocked the literate world by not writing in Latin. And I quote from the book, he felt that Latin was a corrupted, elitist language and that the use of it in serious prose had, uh, quote, turned literature into a harlot, unquote, (laughs) by making universal narrative into Mm -hmm. something that could only be bought with money through the privilege of an aristocratic education. Instead, Dante turned back to the streets, picking up the real Florentine language spoken by the residents of his city who included such luminous contemporaries as Boccaccio and Petrarch, and using that language to tell his tale. He wrote his masterpiece, The Divine Comedy, in what he called Dolce Stil Nuovo, the sweet new style of the vernacular. And he shaped that vernacular even as he was writing it, affecting it as personally as Shakespeare would someday affect Elizabethan English. So... I, we can't underscore the importance of the fact that he wrote this poem mm-hmm. um, in the vernacular, in the language of the people. You know, he he definitely seems to be very much a, a populist and a, um, you know, uh, instead of uh, kowtowing to the academic elite uh, who only would accept things in Latin. Mm-hmm. Um Claudia and Claudia does, said, yes, go does ahead. mentioned yeah. that the Florentine Italian is the Italian as for all of the nations. So, yes, which I just found fascinating. Yeah. Um, so really, Dante, who knew this poet at the age of 24, um, really would end up having his his effect um, mm-hmm. for the nation, you know, his effect in history of, of having this beautiful language um, be the language of Italy mm-hmm. so and as Betty's pointing out you know it's no wonder William didn't like Dante because he didn't write in the Latin he wrote in Italian because Willie only writes in Latin which you know and, and then, and then that's Willie's the purest yes he is but you know throughout Europe in that in those times Latin was the main language where everything came out I mean the scholars spoke wrote Latin and Greek Yes. And uh, as a as opposed to writing in their own languages, so that makes it that much more of a of a, uh, a revolutionary thing. Yes, follow la la la. It's Christmas in Pam's house. <laughs> <laughs> the clock is still a half an hour behind. <laughs> I love it. 
I love it. And Claudia noted that Latin was the language of the culture. Vernacular was language of the people. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And he wanted, he, I, you know, I think this also showed that he wanted his storytelling to be accessible to everybody, mm-hmm. not just a select few who had the money um, mm-hmm. to pay for it. So, um, yeah, really, really uh, interesting uh, little detour. Um, but I, I thought when Pam and I were talking about this, we thought this was significant, you know, um, and it wasn't the divine comedy. That was really the first one that he wrote in that no. language. He, it was La Vida Nova. Nova. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that, uh, professor Maz's lecture went on about, uh, about the book being both poetry and prose, because he, when he writes this, he, he's writing in the voice of the lover in his, uh, prose part. And, uh, or I'm sorry, the the uh, poetry part, and then the voice of the editor as part of his autobiogra- autobiographical part. Uh, it takes an analytical look at the self and his love of Beatrice. Uh, and this is a quote from him. Uh, Dante is writing about himself and inserting the poems as part of the texture of his own life. As an autobiograph- autobiography, the text... Uh, echoes and is modeled on the most important autobiography written in the Middle Ages. In fact, it's written by one who can be called the founder of the autobiographical genre, and it's St. Augustine, uh, who mm-hmm. wrote uh, the Confessions. And, and I forgot to put, as you know, since he's, he is teaching a Yale course. Um, but it was interesting that, that with the setup of the poem is that Dante writes about how he meets and sees Beatrice in the setting and that's part of the autobiographical part and then he writes the sonettos and he breaks them up uh, describing them Uh, in the first part it could be XYZ in the second part it's you know this and it's just the the, the structure of of how he wrote the, the sonetto and describing in the different parts and where they should be started uh, for those mm-hmm. um, another thing I found really fascinating with this is uh, he there, there always seems to be a value of nine connected with Dante and that um, he you know like he, Dante and Beatrice meet uh, at age nine uh, she's nine he's nine he's almost nine he sees her nine years later uh, nine times the way the heaven of light appeared before my eyes uh, from chapter two and mm-hmm. in chapter three he goes on and he's like the ninth day he sees her again and she is dressed in white Beatrice number in the Trentinian number is 333 uh, the allegory is, is neurological as well as spiritual the number nine and uh, Dante uses this throughout his writing so I, I find that fascinating because numerology has always been one of those weird metaphysical things that you that people look at you when you say, "Well, what's your number?" rather than what's your sign. You're like, "Okay, we we let's move on from this person." <laughs> anyway, but I I think um, I just I found it fascinating too the mm-hmm. whole use of nine the way it kind of is woven throughout, mm-hmm. um, and the fact you know of the matter is. I, I also found it just interesting that they meet at such such a young age. Um, and mm-hmm. as we were going, Pam and I are kind of doing an overview summary, which um, we are taking this from a, a website that we found um, 
we're kind of going off of this just to try and to try and give you an overview of what is covered in La Vida Nuova, mm-hmm. and um, it's it was a site that uh, people use who are studying this in, in schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably in high school and college is my guess. Um, and I love the fact Betty had noted um, that this reminds her of Colleen Hoover's novel. She emphasizes numbers in her novels. Mm-hmm. And Claudia also noted that the last letter of Beatrix is again nine, um, uh, well, I-X. I- I-X, which is nine in Roman numerals. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, there's it's, it is it is prolific. If you... If you take a look uh, throughout, you'll see the references. And mm-hmm. then I kind of like that, too, when you when you notice an, an author uh, will make a reference like that. And then you kind of can look through the different uh, things. And buenos dias, Maricel, Abigail, Diaz. Abby, I hope you're having a great day. Mm-hmm. Good to see you. Um, so the La Vida Nuova starts when uh, Dante and Beatrice meet. And this is written from the perspective of Dante. Um, she is uh, nine and he is nearly nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that's where the, the number begins. And um, this introduction just is so stunning to this poet. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has a profound effect on him. Right. And it, it really instills um this whole spirit of the existence itself. It, it really is a kind of a um, monumental occasion for them. Mm-hmm. And it was just a brief encounter. And then they did not see each other for another nine years. Mm-hmm. And yes, Betty, I know this does make, it makes me want to study numerology too. I think it's uh, quite inter- interesting. And if anybody and, wants to, you can find it online. You can put your name in to this numerological site and it'll give you a number. Uh, and basically if you add, it's like if it's one, two, five, you know, you're going to one plus two plus five and that's your number. My personal number is seven. Mm-hmm. So. I haven't done that yet. And I know Lori, I'm glad you mentioned that Lori had said, I'm not mm-hmm. sure what my number is. Mm-hmm. So yes, if you want to check that out, I think that would be fun. Um, so nine years later is when they next see each other. Um, and he spots her in the company of two older women. And she is attired in that brilliant white outfit. And of course, now every all of us, right, we have this vision, the holiday painting, right, mm-hmm. um, that uh, is so beautifully displayed in the film as well. I really thought that was great. Um, the way that passion flicks incorporated that because it is such a kind of fundamental thing mm-hmm. in the, in the movie or in the book and, 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 in SR's, uh, uh, SR's, uh, inspiration mm-hmm. for the book and, um, terrified as to what might be her reaction, uh, when she sees him again, um, especially if she doesn't have any reaction to him and she kind of rocked his world when he first met her. Um, he is positively intoxicated when she greets him with, uh, just the greatest of virtue mm-hmm. and, um, all of the grace in the world. So he is kind of floating. He's so thrilled that she acknowledged him mm-hmm. in this beautiful, brilliant white outfit. And again, the use of white, right? That, that, mm-hmm. 
high purity. high esteem purity and angelic nature mm -hmm. um without sin really and, right and uh claudia is just pointing out that the number nine beatles also use the number nine in their song number yes nine. yeah yes mm -hmm. oh my gosh claudia i forgot about that definitely i just i just remember number nine mm -hmm. number nine <laughs> wonder if dante inspired them I don't know. We you could ask know. Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr whether they're Lancers or not is another story. But <laughs> yeah, think we could get them on the podcast? Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's worth a shot. Anyway. Yes. And Abby said, I love Holiday's painting. It's so beautiful and warm. Mm -hmm. And uh, Betty noted Dante in his mind. Hey, girl, it's me, Dante. Remember? You rocked my world nine years ago. And Beatrice is like, who? <laughs> I, I, well, Claudia, I think I heard... Um, I think they an interview with George Martin about that song, and it was one of those weird. They it was part, I think part of the White Album conflagration, and they're going through what to pick, and they were like, I guess they may have been um, uh, uh, alternately uh, inebriated, um, with, <laughs> and just decided to pick that, yeah, because. It was it, it was those days when a lot of things chemical were put into your body. So anyway, um, <laughs> uh, the the bulk of, of what follows this autobiographical uh, recollection of the two brief instances of contact with Beatrice, which were which would weigh upon his life life as the entirety of their physical interaction, as a series of visions that her memory seeds within his fertile mind. He recognizes his feelings as love, but just dares not commit to verbal incarceration to discourse with others. His love for Beatrice is beyond language and mere conversation. I, there's there's a line in in the story about uh, how he uh, had such uh, I think I think it was fluttering. I don't have the have that opened right at the moment but it was fluttering and he could feel it and his whole body had tremors and he went on explaining and you know it's butterflies in mm -hmm. your stomach when you meet that person and I'm sure we can all relate in some form or another at some time in our lives so so the actions by uh, distance glimpse leads the poet to consider Beatrice as a screen placed before the truth. His rationale for not discussing her is, in fact, a screen composed of a verse written with no intention of publication. She is referred to here as the screen lady. And one of those is a poem of praise in which Beatrice takes form as 60 of the most beautiful women in an unnamed city, a city from which she eventually has cause to depart and almost consumed with a kind of paranoia that di despite refraining uh, from naming his love, those around him know full well of his feelings. Uh, he somewhat ironically decides that he must write something about her departure in order to keep the screen intact and the hidden truth from being disclosed. Is this like passing the note? Yes. Does John like me? You know. 
<laughs> do you think he wants to ask me out? <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff from when we yeah. were kids. How does he feel? How yes. does he feel? So. And then the occasion which uh, led to this whole concept of Beatrice as the screen lady involved a certain young gentlewoman whose uh, death, um, an early death in um, this young woman's life, is referred to as a loss of grace for that city. And, you know, as Dante's seeing the body laying in state uh, surrounded by all these weeping women, he's recalling and he, he witnessed it from afar um, and he starts to cry and kind of uh, that's another place where, you know, this is being, this whole scene is being described in kind of a prose. Mm -hmm. And then he expresses his feelings in these two sonnets and it's a kind of a eulogy about the death of this uh, woman. And um, not long after that death, uh, poet decides to leave the city and he travels to the same region of the country where he had heard that Beatrice was, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, he can't get her out. He just can't get her out of that, her, his head. Um, I always think of that song, you know, that can't get you out of my head. You know, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I, it, when I think of Dante and Beatrice, because he's kind of has this obsession. Um, you think? With, yeah, a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Just a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, and... So he's uh, kind of following her, seeking her. Mm -hmm. And um, during the journey, it kind of stops short um, because this is where another kind of metaphysical thing comes in. He hears the spirit of love, um, which he refers to as Amor. And Amor sadly informs him that the return of Beatrice is not going to be soon. And Amor suggests that the poet carry his feeling he has for her um, which he will never be able to feel for another person um, and keep that within him and um, allow that woman to become what he refers to as his defense. Mm -hmm. And then Amor proceeds to actually name uh, the substitute for the poet's true passion. So um, this I thought was kind of interesting. And I'm, I was wondering if that was more of the Paul um, uh, reference in a way having another um, instead of his own or um, having some of the prior people in his uh, life mm -hmm. and so as as he returns home um, he subsequently begins an active search for the lady that Amor named as his defense mm -hmm. um, against never claiming Beatrice as his own true love so Amor is saying you know what don't go after Beatrice. This other person um, is is where you should be directing your attention. And he confesses that after a short period, he um, she did begin to replace his lost love as his screen. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that was a whole interesting thing because there's been so many references um, where people are used as a screen or as a shield. Um, to hide their true feelings for the other person. So in some cases they're called a beard. In yes. Modern times. Yes. Um, and often it had been referred to, um, especially before uh, same sex marriages mm -hmm. were um, more acceptable. Uh, there were often beards of uh, someone marrying 
uh, a person, uh, but really having uh, their love hidden uh, behind the screen or this defense. And at this point in the in La Vida Nuova, um, it actually became a bit of a scandal, and there were lots of rumors around um, his screen. Um, they were unfounded, but of course, as you know, as the drama unfolds, these rumors would find their way to Beatrice. So she she's hearing all these things about this other woman, um, and when she so she's really you know upset mm-hmm. and put off like mm-hmm. oh well he's obviously doesn't care about me yeah, so. um and when he next sees her when he finally sees beatrice again she passes by without greeting or even acknowledging his being and he no longer exists in her eyes um which just is devastating it is it is so the uh, Franca, hello, and thanks for stopping by. I am coming to your house for uh, the bolognese and banana bread that I believe was Mango's recipe. So there we go. Yeah, I think Beatrice was hurt at that point um, with that. The fact that he I think like, so. ignored her. So and, absolutely. And I would if I would have ignored him too. <laughs> the Actions uh, occasioned by a distant glimpse leads the poet to consider Beatrice as a screen placed before the truth. His rationale is not discussing, for not discussing her, is in fact a screen composed of verse written with no intention of publication. She referred, uh, she's referred to here as the screen lady. One of those is a poem of praise in which Beatrice takes the form of 60 of the most beautiful women in an unnamed city and, and he's almost consumed with a kind of paranoia that despite refraining from naming his love, those around him know full well his feelings. So, you know, he decides to write whatever he's gonna write. Again, the note going through. Right. Um, so it, it, you can break down certain topics from from this uh, particular story uh, for love for example Dante mm-hmm. recalls from that vision onwards my natural spirit began to be obstructed in its operation so that in a little while I reached so frail and deliberated a condition that many friends were anxious about my appearance and many full of malice put themselves about to know about me things that I wished above all to hide from others so Dante is like utterly smitten by Beatrice and that he devotes all his emotional energy to her. However, the devotion impacts him adversely for his appearance deteriorates. His deliberation confirms that overinvesting in Eros can be emotionally and physically draining. Well, and it's that all-consuming, mm-hmm. right? The all-consuming love um, over rationality, I think, is is kind of the thing. And as Betty noted... Um, they were born at the wrong time. Their love was forbidden. True. And I think also, you know, because of this misunderstanding mm-hmm. um, and societal conventions, I think you are right, Betty, in terms of being born at the wrong time. But also this love, this burning, um, this burning desire uh, 
doesn't always uh, pan out. You know, sometimes it has to be, you know, SR had written about the the different types of love. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it has to be different or sometimes it has to be courtly. Um, You know, and, and, you know, there's so many themes in this book. Um, Another one they kind of tagged on was death. You know, when I had mentioned earlier about having this whole witness to this woman who passed before her time and he watched the funeral procession. And as Dante recalls, quote, after the departure of that gentle lady, it pleased the Lord of angels to call to his glory a woman. Then remembering that I had seen her before accompanying the most graceful lady, I could not hold back tears. So weeping, I decided to speak a few words about her death in tribute to the fact that I had once seen her with my lady. So Dante was showing this empathy, uh, this grief, um, because he is visualizing how Beatrice would be suffering because her friend just passed away. And it's, it's kind of showing that commonality of experience, right? This um, reflection of the human condition, which um, I think, you know, this is why this story has, has you know, we're talking talking what almost 700 800 years it's it stood the test of time because it does talk about these themes and it, and, and it uh, also shows a, his empathy right yeah right for Beatrice. it's he's grieving not really uh, it's it's showing his grief not just for the woman who passed but his grief and his his hurt um, in feeling how much pain that his his Beatrice would be going through, it kind of emphasizes his his reaction. And um, so, uh, another uh, thing he discusses within La Vida Nuova is about poetry, and is about um, we mentioned that poetry is often how the the feelings and the emotional part of this is expressed. Mm-hmm. And um, Dante's quote, there's a quote, wherefore for afterwards, having considered and perceiving that there was herein matter for poesy, I resolved that I would write certain rhymes in which should be contained all that those ladies had said. So it's showing that he's composing these poems where he outlines his feelings. And um, these poems read as if he's having a conversation with her. Mm-hmm. Um, Beatrice is Dante's mute. Um, and he composes all these sonnets um, and the theme of them is exploring his affection for Beatrice and Dante's feelings are so powerful um, that they inspire his poetry and that, boy, I mean that that comes through for La Vida Nuova it carries through for the Inferno and it's it's picked up and inspired SR mm-hmm, to write Gabriel's yeah. and the Gabriel series. Yeah, this this is one of those um, poems that, to be for me, very honestly, I had to read it a couple of times, and I also have the audio, so I listened to that as well, and so I could pick it up more. It's a beautiful story, it really is. It's sad, but it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, goes- and Annette, I was going to say, Annette just said she's loving the this entire show i'm learning so oh, much i you. have to get these books we will include the link at the end of the show yeah um on wh- where you can uh, read this for free <laughs> and uh betty wants to give dante a hug poor guy he was never really happy i do hope he and beatrice are together in heaven 
well, don't be going. And uh, Franca said she posted two different versions of the meeting between Dante and Beatrice in the den a few days ago and was surprised at how many people liked it. I don't know anything about La Vida Novo. I will have to give it a try and read it. Yeah, I mean, it really it really is a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. Again, for me, it's I like Shakespeare, but I'll be very honest with you, I have to read Shakespeare a few times before I can actually get the gist of the story because of the, well, of the language, basically. Well, and I think, too, I think to um, the earlier comment that Claudia noted, um, you can read it, but there is also like tons of side notes mm-hmm. and in part because it was written in that colloquial style. Right. Of course, we're reading it in, in not the native language. Franca, it might be interesting if you want to read it in, in the Italian. Um, uh, so it's it's I, I do think there are some things as as well as you can translate. Sometimes there's some things that are lost a little in translation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely worth a read. And Jean Ann was uh, said she agreed with uh, Betty. Um, that in eternity, he finally does find his Beatrice. Yeah. Um, and Monica has both the Portuguese and English versions. Nice. So, That's very nice. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So he also speaks in regard to agony. Uh, Dante recounts a few days after this, my body became afflicted with painful infirmity, whereby I suffered bitter anguish for many days, which at last brought me unto such weakness that I could no longer move. And his, you know, you, you, you attribute that agony to love and the love rema- uh, related emotional anguish contributes to this physical pain and this weakness he has. Um, his absolute consumption by Eros demonstrates the underside of love, especially when it's unattainable. <laughs> Don't we all know unrequited love sometimes? <laughs> unrequited love. And I think agony, mm-hmm. it just is agony. Yep sheer pain um definitely Mm -hmm. and and i'm looking at the chat um betty says dante and the boss have raised the bar guys need to start working on their love letters and poem skills text messages just won't do true and stella said uh thank you for all of this i've always been interested in dante but none of my classes have ever discussed it Mm. yeah i actually did get to study dante a little bit in school we did a couple, we did a, a select reading from the Inferno, and that actually is what had me hooked, um, and in fact is why I read Gabriel's Inferno for the first time, because I, I was so enthralled with the, the Divine Comedy, mm-hmm. um, that when I saw that the, the professor was a Dante specialist, I was like, oh, that's the book I want to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and Franca made a note that her and Claudia had a discussion yesterday on Facebook about not being able to get the Italian books in South Africa at the, the moment. She's desperate to read Gabriel's Inferno in Italian. Well, I hope that gets cool. resolved. I, I do too. Mm-hmm. And yes. And Claudia learned a lot on the online course at Georgetown University. So that's another great source. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And Betty, uh, or Monica also said that uh, she had boyfriends who texted me with poems and, uh, you know, not, not for anything, but the late great used to write poetry for me oh, and leave little, little like poetry notes around for me when he was alive. So, oh, yeah, that gets nice. a heart. Pam. <laughs> that is so sweet. I'm swooning over that. I, I swooning. still have a couple of them, too. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we, you also start looking at the imagery of the characters like you look at Beatrice. Um, years later, she greets him, 
uh, so Dante recalls it happened on the last of these days that this marvelous lady appeared to me dressed in the whitest of white between two gracious ladies who were of greater age and passing through a street she turned her eyes to the place where I stood greatly fearful with her ineffable courtesy that is now rewarded in a greater sphere. She greeted me so virtuously, so much so that I saw then to the very end of grace. And the whiteness sort is stressing Beatrice's inherited purity. And Beatrice is an embodiment of virtue, which is evident in how she acknowledges Dante. The greeting is an instrumental milestone in Dante's love, love story, which is true. You know, he just... She, mm -hmm. He just went to pieces. I mean, and if you look at the Halliday painting, um, one yeah. of the things that was pointed out one time in a discussion I was having about that painting is the way Dante is holding his chest of his heart mm -hmm. in the picture and also sort of leaning against the wall. And I think uh, that was Santa Spirito because I think in the background, Ponte Vecchio is being built. But I mean, it was just, you know, it, it it he was just so taken with her. Oh, it's it just was apparent. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's it's such a strong image. Um, and a, another image is this whole imagery of the vision, and you know we'll talk about that coming up in terms of how that image of the vision as if it translates into Gabriel's Inferno, but um, Dante's recalling. And I quote, and thinking of her, a sweet sleep overcame me in which a marvelous vision appeared to me so that it seemed I saw in my room a flame colored nebula in the midst of which I discerned the shape of a Lord of fearful aspect to those who gaze on him. And he appeared to me with such joy, so much joy within himself that it was a miraculous thing. After waiting for a little while, his joy was all turned then to a bitter grief and so grieving he gathered that lady in his arms, and it seemed to me that he ascended with her towards heaven. Um, so first of all, towards heaven, boy, doesn't that sound like the precursor to the journey through hell and the divine comedy mm -hmm. and uh, ultimately going through purgatory into paradise. Um, but this vision transpires after Dante sees Beatrice and the joy that he's talking about, that great joy um, is Dante's unconscious yearning to express his love for Beatrice and be happy with her and how much he wants to be together. But then when that grief turns in, mm -hmm. that bitter grief, as it's said, um, it's that possibility that they may never be lovers. They may never be together. Mm -hmm. And Dante has an unconscious fear of not ever having Beatrice in his life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's just, it's, it's palpable. It is. And that's kind of the whole, you know, that's, that's kind of, you feel that throughout La Vida Nuova. Mm -hmm. um, and also another, another piece of this um, is this whole aspect of fantasy. You know, we had this vision um, and another quote re reflecting this is, but against the adversary of reason, there rose up in me on a certain day about the ninth hour a strong visible fantasy wherein I seemed to behold the most gracious Beatrice habited in that crimson raiment, which she had worn when I had first beheld her. Also, she appeared to me of the same tender age then. And this fantasy originates from his unconscious memories of Beatrice 
his subconscious, really. Mm -hmm. And thinking about Beatrice is tantamount to regression. So he's kind of thinking about when they first met. And Dante unconsciously stores Beatrice's memories. And so because they're so ingrained within him, he's not able to suppress them. He's utterly obsessed with her that he cannot cease thinking about her and perceiving his fantasies. Um, and, and that's in that, that's his subconscious. And of course, I, I feel like that so tra strongly translates um, uh, that kind of theme is picked up and that ball's picked up and ran, SR runs with it in Gabriel's Inferno. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, um, in the chat room, uh, Nat wanted to know if a grocery list counts, asking for a friend. Uh, you can tell your friend that uh, sometimes it is, and uh, it can be done uh, creatively. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Betty said Dante is just too precious. Yeah, yes. Yes, and, and I know there was a quote. Ellie um, had posted a quote. Kelly was trying to find something that was listed on Twitter, and mm -hmm. I think SR had quoted the book. So if check the chat feed that Ellie Reed did. And hey, Ellie, glad you could join us. Mm -hmm. I know it's early, 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 raising my coffee to you. And uh, uh, Lauren <laughs> is... <laughs> Lacra-freaking most. <laughs> Lauren, last night, you know, I, I get to a point where I am so tired of hearing about our post office and racist names and the tropes that some people are using that I have to turn the news off, otherwise my head would explode. So last night I put on the Big Lebowski. <laughs> and when the dude first goes to the other Jeffrey Lebowski's house and he's in this room and all of a sudden Lacrimosa's playing and I just started, I lost it right there. It was hysterical. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. I laughed so hard. Pam told me that. I said, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize Lacrimos was in, yeah. in The Big Lebowski. And it just made me laugh. It just giggled. Yeah, it was, it was um, funny. I'm seeing in the chat room, Franca said, I wonder what started SR's obsession with Dante and Beatrice. It's such a tragic story. He definitely is a romantic at heart. Yeah. And um, Marit, uh, Abby actually posted a, a quote in Italian from... La Vida Nuova, mm -hmm. um, which is beautiful. You can check that out. Um, and speaking of SR, we actually asked SR to give him us some insight onto yes. that. And Pam, do you want to start sure. with what he, sure. um, he shared with us? So La Vida Nuova tells us the story of Dante and Beatrice. And this is where we get our information about how they knew each other or knew one another and what they were like and how Dante felt about Beatrice. There are many ways to read Dante's Divine Comedy, but one of the ways I read it is as a personal tale. Dante writes, it is a tribute to Beatrice and perhaps as the way of committing a kind of penance for him for some of his sins, and also the way of demonstrating his faithfulness, faithfulness to Beatrice. He said, I, uh, SR says he explored a couple of these ideas in Gabriel's Promise. But without La Vida Nova, the personal significance of the Divine Comedy isn't readily apparent. So for SR, it's important to begin with the text first before exploring the others. Mm -hmm. And in the chat room, um, Abby said, I've been a 
Dante fan since I was nine years old. Both of my parents are literature teachers, and she found that book. Wow, mm, Abby, that's, that's cool. That's amazing. That's really cool. I didn't discover Dante until I was much older in in high school, which in the U.S. is, I believe I was maybe in 11th grade, so it's probably 16, 15. Um, so, wow, wow, what a, what a gift. And to have, mm -hmm. no wonder you are such the book maven. Um, with two literature teachers mm -hmm. as parents, what what a gift! Um, and Annette noted, I honestly believe that these stories mirror closely to SR's life. I think a lot of people may have uh, the mm. same um, sentiments. Sentiments, and uh, very very cool. Uh, Abby said one of the reasons I loved Edward Mason's University was because she was such a fan of Dante. Mm. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Abby. Very, very cool. Mm -hmm. Everybody's, everybody's hearting that. Um, so, you know, SR also continued um, and noted that there are lots of poems about love and there are lots of stories about love. We have Abelard and Heloise's letters, for example. But the story of Dante and Beatrice is different because it's courtly and unconsummated. But I guess I think in some ways that ensures that it's the kind of love that will survive. Abelard and Eloise's love has to change after they are separated and become something else. But Dante and Beatrice's love survives. Dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Um, the words of SR, um, I, just, I, I just think that whole concept and the idea of having this love that survives and is timeless. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think he, he writes on those themes quite a bit in the Gabriel series. Um, <laughs> and Abby, I love it. She said, I must confess that I read it because my parents told me not to read it. It was not an appropriate <laughs> reading for my age. <laughs> is, that, is, is that like me reading The Godfather when I was... Probably yes. For thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's precious. And mm -hmm. and Claudia said she agrees. Dante and Beatrice's love survives. It's it's timeless. It is timeless. Uh, it really I just, is. I, you know, it's but it's for me. It's, it's kind of sad because it 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 never does get consummated. So right. it's always it's that out unrequited. There. Yeah, it's always out there and. Uh, great for fantasy but i i just the personal the persons i think it's sad because they don't get to go on with that but i understand it <laughs> right right um and uh <laughs> betty noted for abby's uh, parents maybe that was reverse psychology don't read it <laughs> make sure that they read it <laughs> um that's funny um, and I, Betty also noted that Paul can relate to that as well. Paul. Yes, he can. So we've kind yeah. of touched upon a little bit, um, you know, throughout us discussing La Vida Nuova, the, the comparisons. Um, but there are so many between the themes and kind of how things are written. There you are. Know? Yeah, you're right. And, you know, the retelling of a story in a more modern age um, Mm -hmm. When you look at Julie and Gabriel, they meet when she's 17, he's 27. And then there's that split for a while. 
you know, so that kind of reflects on how Dante and Beatrice met at a young age and mm -hmm. didn't see each other again for like nine years. Although SR, right. SR's number is more in the 10 area <laughs> as opposed to the nine. Right. But, right. I don't think he, he, I didn't notice a numerology bent in SR's writing. No. Um, but I'm saying, I'm seeing, uh, you know, Josie says, I wonder if they had gotten together, if they would have been happy. And I think that's an unanswered question, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, or if they would have gotten together and then it burned out like Abelard and Heloise. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, and uh, <laughs> Claudia says, Paolo and Francesca fell in love reading the wrong book. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they ended up, uh, they, they had their own circle of health yes, for that. They did. Um, but I, I think, too, I mean, there's so many, so many of the themes, you know, looking, looking at some of the things we were talking about earlier, Pam, mm -hmm. obviously love, love goes throughout this, um, but kind of re reflection on death. I mean, SR woven the whole, the whole losing of grace mm -hmm. and that, that sympathy Actually, it was kind of a reverse thing. It was the sympathy of of the Beatrice figure, right? The of Julia um, being empathetic for Dante, um, in this case Gabriel, mm -hmm. uh, for losing his mom. And, and uh, there's just and and then of course going on to the you know the more really it, personal loss of Maya. One of you know one of the things that I also noticed is that. Within Gabriel, I mean, you can see uh, versions of Dante and Beatrice throughout the story of Gabriel and Julia. Um, mm -hmm. But sometimes the roles are kind of reversed. I mean, sometimes you have Gabriel as Dante and Julia, of course, Beatrice. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have that reversed. I right, right. Like the, the, like the the notes? Yes, yes. Well, actually, that's not true. Julia wrote some notes, but then Gabriel obviously had his way with words. So that would have been more of the Dante, the poet, um, sharing his poetry with his beloved. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, I thought that was something that was kind of cool and picked up. Um, Franca says, I wonder why Dante and Beatrice just didn't elope. Maybe because they would have landed up in hell for eternity, no paradise for them. True. Wait, <laughs> it would have, it would have probably shortened the story. It would have been a, a much lot. shorter journey through hell. <laughs> but I think also when you look at the times that they, they were written, I mean, you know, yeah. Dante and Beatrice couldn't really, couldn't even really walk down a street together mm -hmm. where Julie and Gabriel can go out, go out and have dinner at Harbor 60 or share pizza and salad or chocolate cake. <laughs> mm, chocolate, chocolate cake. cake. <laughs> uh, and the well, best Simpson um, voice they have. <laughs> And yeah, I, you know, I'm just thinking too. this whole idea of the virgin, right? The purity, mm -hmm. the, the putting her up on the pedestal, yes. the angelic quality, the, the brown eyed angel, um, getting you know. into the whole imagery of, uh, the vision, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and if you look at the, when they're in lobby with, with, uh, Rachel and they're mm -hmm. sitting there and he's like, you know, well, you know, you're a virgin, and she turns around and gives him hell because he's bringing that fact up to her. Even right. Though, you know, 
whether it's reality or not, it's still, you know, part of that. So. Well, and the fact that he was raising it. Yes. And, but I think also the thing I thought that was interesting, um, you know, one of the things I talked about when we were, that whole idea of the fantasy and that it was kind of um, the unconscious memories of, of Beatrice that are held within Dante. Mm-hmm. I mean, my gosh, that is Gabriel in the beginning. Mm-hmm. He, there was something, he, he knew there was something about this, this student in his class and he couldn't figure it out. It was these repressed, repressed um, memories, memories, um, but he couldn't fully suppress them. And boy, when, when the, when the truth and the reality came out, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was stunning, but he, to him, it was a fantasy. And then, and the whole, all the, the other whole thing about it being a vision and a dream. Um, and, and, you know, he really, he literally thought it was a dream. He was, he did. And cause he, when he's questioning his parents and anybody else in the house, where's Beatrice? And they're like, who the hell are you talking about? You know, mm-hmm. you can see it there too. And, right. Yeah. Yes. And Josie, I love the quote. She said, after a time, you may find that having is not so pleasing a thing, after all, as wanting. It is not logical, but is often true. A quote from Spock from Star Trek. Live point on, Josie. Point on. Yes. And Abby said, uh, oh, actually, you were responding to Monica, right? Sisti the curse, quando tina siete años. Now, I am butchering the Portuguese. You are. So no, sorry. And I can't do it. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, no, um, just, you know, and that, you know, that's it. Maybe that's why the love is so enduring in Dante and Beatrice is because they did never get together and they <clears throat> were able to carry that through. He was able to carry that through the rest of his life. Um, I know that at one point I believe Dante wanted to be buried with Beatrice in Florence and I know Dante's mm-hmm. bones have been hidden so many times in the past because of uh, city-state wars because I think he was buried in Ravenna and they were yes. take, they were one they were taken out of there for a little bit to hide from somebody and then uh, during World War two they were hidden uh, so that the Nazi uh, inv- Nazis couldn't come and take them, and so God knows where everything is these days with him. Mm. Yeah, and um, I just met Maritza, uh Abby uh, saved me with uh, English translation of what she was sharing, and mm-hmm. she said there's a book by a Colombian writer, um, and it's called Maria. It's based on a true story, and it reminds her a lot of the Dante and Beatrice relationship. It's a beautiful book. Mm-hmm. So those of you who um, read Spanish, or I don't know if there's an English translation for it, that might be something cool to check out. Mm-hmm. Um, gracias, Abby, for that. And uh, <laughs> Betty said Dante's bones were on tour. Hey, you um, <laughs> and he, he also, she also noted that you know all of this happened because he never asked for her real name. Mm-hmm. He just called her Beatrice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going back to the Gabriel's um, right. Inferno book. Everyone thought she was Beatrice as well and didn't think that she was, a, you know, she was indeed the Roman Julia. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Josie noted, Gabriel thought Beatrice was a fantasy and then found that Julia was real. 
Julia knew Gabriel was real, but then had a rude awakening um, that he was a fantasy. Very well put. Tracy. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Mm-hmm. She, she, it, that moment in the, in the orchard with uh, between Julia and Gabriel, she held on to that memory forever and ever and how beautiful it was. And being that she was a 17-year-old, and uh, I'm sure it became quite more romanticized. With, and she didn't understand what life was about at that point. And then you've got Gabriel, who's so screwed up in his brain with whatever drugs he's on and, and drinking and thoughts of, you know, how he was going to commit suicide and, and what have you. And then he meets her. And so that becomes the fantasy that moves him along in life. And, and her fantasy moved her along, too, if you think about it, because Absolutely. she wanted to study Dante. From the time she was 17. Right. That inspiration was planted and um, motivated her. But in a way, you know, they, they both had the fantasies of each other and the dreams of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really, really fascinating. And Franca had a wonderful weekend. She um, has to head out. Um, she said, sorry, I missed. The beginning of the chat is always a fabulous subject. Have to get going. Um, so she's wishing everyone goodbye and thanks. Have um, a good weekend, Franca. And enjoy your... Uh, your luncheon that you're having. <laughs> yes. Oh, and Abby was clarifying that she was practicing her Portuguese with Monica and telling her that she saw a horror movie at age seven. Couldn't sleep alone for a month. That's why her parents wouldn't let her read Dante because she didn't want them to have, they didn't want her to have nightmares. I did the same thing with my daughters um, and my daughters love seeing the scary movies. Um, I, and I'm like, you don't want to do that. You're going to have nightmares. That's but right. of course, you know, they do that, and then my daughter's afraid to go into the basement. Yeah, my so. parents learned the hard way because we went to see, went to a drive-in. We saw this oh, movie called Conga. Oh, yeah. It was a British movie, and it was mm-hmm. about something, mm-hmm. about a, a monkey that's given some drug and becomes a giant ape, like King mm-hmm. Kong, giant ape, and yes. terrorizes everybody. And then uh, the what I remember the most is when, when they took the, the ape down the ape turned into a duck don't ask i don't it, it was a lot i was six years old when i saw this so mm-hmm. we're going back a few a couple of years one or two and then but i can remember lying in my bed that night after after getting home and my parents putting my sister and i to bed and i could feel my bed shaking and i'm screaming because i could see conga's arm coming through my bedroom window <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. That's the first nightmare I'll, I ever remembered. And I just well, remembered it sounds terrifying. It was terrifying for me, but it was I mean my par- my parents were like, you know, you just calm down, you know, sleep in your bed, calm down. And I couldn't sleep in my bed and I ended up in theirs, which they weren't too happy about, I don't think. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sure. Because it was a full it was a full-size bed, not a queen or a king. <laughs> Betty's saying, "Say what?" What were the screenwriters and directors smoking when they made that I film? Have, a duck? Seriously. I have no oh, idea. Gosh. I have no, no idea. This movie came out in, maybe I was seven. came out in 1962. Oh, my goodness. So. Terrifying. It was. Well, I'm looking through some of the chat. Um, Josie said, phew, what a mental workout. Yes, it has been a mental workout mm-hmm. and a labor of love for mm-hmm. Pam and I, I can tell you that. That's true. And, um, uh... Betty said, I have a feeling in Gabriel's mind, Julia had wings atta- 
to her back. And in Julia's mind, Gabriel was wearing a suit of armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very romanticized vision. And um, Abby also said, have you read the latest Barbara Reynolds book? I only read one article about her. I find it very curious because it relates to Dante in a very different way than his friend Dorothy Slayers. Interesting. We'll have to check that out, Abby. I love that. And Ashley's thanking us for doing this chat. Just incredible. It was great. Um, Um, Because one of the things that SR has always mentioned, Dorothy Slayers, is is somebody that he looks to um, on anything Dante. So that'd be interesting to find out. I anyway. think so too. We might have to ask him about that too. Yes, we will. I'll put that in our email. In, a, in our notes. Week. Mm-hmm. So. so, I think, I think we've covered this. I think. What we do have. you think? I think we have. It's been a great discussion with you, ladies. Um, and I'm putting in the yeah, don't site. That link. If you want to read it for yourself, SR suggested this site, and it's uh, poetry and translation is the link. Um, and we also pulled a lot from Gate Grade Saver in terms of trying to get some summarization uh, language. Gradesaver.com. Because I can tell you, I some. have five different Word documents with different stuff that I was like right. trying to put together, and I was like, ugh. Anyway, it was it was a fun it was fun doing this. Um, also on the. Uh, poetry and translation site they also have an audio that you can link to uh in that it's Uh and and you can listen and read along right at the same time and the the voice of the uh reader is uh it's he's british and, and it's very soothing and it's it's really nice to hear the way he says it so yes and that a british accent you're already used to that though mm-hmm. lucky duck married mm-hmm. to a brit Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, I guess that's about where we are, mm-hmm. and uh, we can go out with some uh, cowbell. I think. <laughs> oh, and Allie, before we go out with the cowbell, she just added uh, Twitter from Allie. Hi, days ago he said that he was reviewing the script for Gabriel's Redemption. I hope. They have included the party at the orphanage. Now that I reread that part, I cannot express what I felt. I think, but I know that the best will be, as we have already seen. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And SR replied, "It's in the script." Very exciting. Yes. Uh, Awesome. (laughs) Oh, it's great. Thank you, um, Betty, for that kind word. She said, "Great podcast, ladies." Thank you. Thank you. So, lots to think about. We're gonna, we're, don't fear the reaper, and we're gonna get a lot of cowbell in this. I love this song. See ya. See ya. Have a great week. Be safe.